Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam. Ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma ahdina wa ahdibina wa yasir hudalana. Allahumma ahdina wa ahdibina wa yasir hudalana ya rabbil alameen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering of beneficial knowledge. Ameen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering by which we increase our understanding of his deen, increase our closeness to his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma ahdina wa ahdibina wa yassir huda lana. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak. We ask you, Ya Allah, for your love. Wa hubba man yuhibbuk. We ask you, Ya Allah, for the love of the ones who you love. Wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik, Ya Allah. We ask you for the love of those actions that will gain your love, inshaAllah. Bismillah. So we're continuing with our 29th class of Ar-Risalatul Mustarshideen of Imam Muhasibi. And we left off. So going to pick up where we left off, inshallah. Just back up a little bit so that we're at the right place. We know where we're going from, inshallah ta'ala. Um, as we know, Imam Muhasibi's style is a very early traditional style. And the way Imam Muhasibi lays out this book is... There is a, a connection between each one of them, but he kind of jumps all over the realm of Islamic spirituality. And so Alhamdulillah, in each class, there are a number of things for us to pick up and focus on. So one of the things we ended on yesterday, last week, he said these words, and we're going to start from here and then go into what we're studying for today. Imam Muhasibi, he says, He said, and learn how to obey God. In the things that people may consider a sin. And this was really heavy because what it brought, it drew a clear distinction, which is sometimes there may be times where the rights of God, what God deems is right, and what people deem is right, they line up and you know what? It's all good. It goes well. It's so nice. Alhamdulillah, everyone's fine with me. But there are other times where maybe society doesn't fit. Maybe my family doesn't roll with this. Maybe my culture doesn't roll with Allah wants from me. And so what he says here is learn how to obey Allah fi nas in the sins of people. And then he goes forward he says wala nasa and do not obey people fi ma'siyatillah do not obey people in the areas that are sins of God. Right? And so just putting things in contrast it was a beautiful lesson 
learning how to realize that we can't obey everyone. We can't make everyone happy. And if we become people pleasers, then there will be times when we won't be able to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so one of the things we said last week that I hope stuck with you is if you just learn how to be yourself, you don't have to say sorry to nobody. If you just learn how to be yourself, you don't have to say sorry to no one, right? Because you're just being you. You're being true to your identity. You're being true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you could go to sleep every night having been true to Allah, then you know you did what's right. You're good to go, regardless of what people may think. And then he goes forward. And this is a new lesson for today. Whenever you do an action for the sake of Allah, don't start patting yourself on the back. Don't feel like you did a lot. Now, we got to put this in context, though. The context is sometimes you need motivation to keep going forward. Sometimes when it's been a real long day and you did something good, you need to say, yo, Mikael, you did good, good today. You know, you need, you need to pat yourself on the back. Good job, Abdullah. You know, Hassan, you did good. Hussein, you did excellent. Good job. Push yourself. But the state that we want to reach is the state where I don't see my actions that I did for the sake of Allah as something so amazing, so big. And my mind is like, oh, no, I didn't do enough. It wasn't nothing big. It was small. So he says, Don't become pleased with the actions that you did for the sake of Allah. Don't become pleased with those actions. Rather, you should keep looking, how could I do it a little better? How could I do it a little better? But again, if you go too far in that, then shaitan knows that way into your heart. And what does it does? It, it, it demotivates you. It stops you from pushing forward. Does everyone understand that balance, right? It's a very important balance to, 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 to bring in. So sometimes what does shaitan do? Let's understand this. Sometimes shaitan makes you so worried about your action that you become so focused. Did I do it right? 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 And guess what? After two, three weeks, what do you do? You burn out. You stop altogether. So shaitan is actually telling you to focus more on the action. Why? Because in two, three weeks, you're going to stop altogether. There is one hadith which is very powerful. I was sharing it with a sister uh, that's in attendance today. Um, there's this one hadith in Abu Dawood that's a very powerful hadith about people who get a lot of um, like whispers about their tahara, their cleanliness, right? And they, no matter what, they can't think that I'm, I'm pure, I'm clean. So they're constantly thinking about it, right? And they may just do wudu over and over again. Because according to the hadith, that shaitan just keeps saying, nope, you missed the spot. Nope, you missed the spot. Nope, you missed the spot. Now, this is where we start to understand the ideology of how shaitan really pushes away a, a person from the deen. The Prophet ﷺ says, when this happens, they'll reach a point where you have to say to this shaitan, ma'atmemtu salati. You're right, my prayer don't count. You're right, my prayer don't count. Why would we say that? Because his objective is to make you so focused on this that after two, three weeks, what do you do? Huh? You stop altogether. So the only way to stop that in its tracks, it's just like somebody arguing, your, your brother, your, your, just keep it brothers and sisters, right? Your brother's arguing with you. Wifey arguing with you, right? And you're like, you're right, yo. You're right. Now, one of y'all going to be shaitan. We always trade shaitan spots. Sometimes he's a shaitan, she's a shaitan, right? So the shaitan will be like, why you ain't arguing? Let's argue. Come on, let's keep it going. You're like, nah, you're right. 
You're right. You're 100% right. So similarly, the Prophet said, there'll come a point where shaitan is just pushing you and pushing you that, no, your ibadah wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. And there'll come a point where you got to be like, you know what? You're right. You're 100% right. Smile too. You're right. And just keep going and keep going. So again, the balance here is that we always, we never want to look at our actions that I've done so much. Because what happens when I begin to think I did so much, I start to remind God of the favor that I did to God. You feel what I'm saying? Like I start to remind God and Allah says, La Islamakum. Never ever remind Allah about the favors of your good deeds you did for the sake of Allah. Uh-uh. Rather, it's Allah's blessing upon you that you even were able to do the righteous deed. So, He says, never ever become complacent and pleased with yourself over an action that you did for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a beautiful advice, but remember to keep it balanced. There are sometimes we need to motivate ourselves to push forward. Then he goes forward and he says, Imam Muhasib, he says, now this is a topic in the course of our 28 sessions of this book. We have not talked about this yet. So I don't know if we'll actually get past this one. He says, what does qum mean? Stand. He says, and stand. Stand up in your salah in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jumlatan. Jumlatan. Completely. Completely. So ever since we started this halakha, we never had a talk on salah, right? Which is kind of like, you know, like, like 28 weeks, we never even touched on salah. So I was like, you know what? This is a great opportunity for us to go deeper into our prayer. To go deeper into the prayer. He uses the word jumlatan. What does jumlatan mean? It means all of you. One of the most profound things about converting to Islam is when you go from a prayer of just like this to a prayer where you're actually like moving, where your whole body is involved in this worship of God. Jazakallah khair, you can hear it, right? My bad, jazakallah khair. Okay, yeah, maybe I should stop yelling too, right? Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the um, things I found so amazing about salah in Islam is that salah wasn't just this verbal thing. Right. It wasn't just this verbal thing where I was just saying something and my body wasn't involved. But the salat that the believer has been blessed with is a salat where your body, your mind, your tongue, all of it is involved in this ibadah. And so what he what he's speaking about at this point is he says, stand before God with all of you, all of you before God. Now, Sheikh Abdul Fatah Abu Ghudda, he comments on this and listen to what he says. It's very heavy. He says, فَإِنَّ الصَّلَاةِ Indeed your prayer, تَشْتَمِلُوا عَلَىٰ أَذْكَارِ وَالْمَنَاجَاتِ وَالْأَفْعَادِ Your prayer, look closely at the prayer. Let's think about the prayer. Your prayer is remembrances, statements that you say. Manajat, whispers, quiet talk. Munajat is a word when you talk to someone quietly. Like um, there's one hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the Prophet ﷺ was laying down, it's nighttime. And he's laying next to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And he leans over to Aisha and she's kind of falling asleep, but she's still awake. And he, he really wants to get up and pray. So he says the most beautiful words. He says, Ya Aisha, 
دعني أناجي ربي أو عائشة دعني would you allow me أناجي to whisper to my Lord for a little bit like I, I don't want to take away your haq you, you have haq on me but I want to talk to Allah right now دعني أناجي ربي do you allow me to get up and just go whisper to my Lord so this word munajat is, a, is, a, is one of the words that Imam Sheikh Abdul Fatah that he says our prayer is remembrance of God it's whispers to God, but it's also actions. He says it's also actions. But this is the part he says. And if there is no presence of the heart, attention, if there is no presence of the mind in the heart, then you are not getting the objective of what all of these words and all of these movements are all about. He says, Words without presence are empty statements. Think about people you interact with. They may say all these things to us. I love you. I care for you. You're the most important person to me, this and that. But the question, if their heart isn't there, you're like, what are these words? And actions, this is Ghazali. He says, in actions without presence is just movement. My mother, she used to make me massage your feet. I miss it, yo. I miss it. It's been a long time since I massaged her feet. Right? She used to work all day, get home. Sometimes she'd be like, can you step on my back for me? I'm too heavy for that now. <laughs> when I was little, I just I could put my whole weight on there. Just shh, lower back. She'd be like, man, this is great. And then she would be like, can you massage my feet for me? Michael, come here, massage my feet. And then there will be times when, you know, you're feeling it. It's mom. She's been working all day, so you didn't, you getting it in. You know, you know what I mean? Getting it in, right? And there's other times where you're like, man, I'm trying to go. I'm trying to get out of here. Whenever you're doing it, but you're not there, she'd be like, all right, Mike, you go, go. I'm okay. I don't need the massage. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need you to massage my feet right now. Imam Ghazali is saying the same thing. He says, actions without present is just form. Actions without presence is just form. You're not communicating the true meaning of that massage on my mother's feet unless my heart is there with her. And Imam Ghazali is saying these movements in the salah are the same way. These movements are the same way. If the heart is not present, if the attention is not there, if you are distracted, then it's just movements you've lost. It's just the form or it's just the words. So Imam Ghazali, he says this. There are three things that you must focus on in your prayer. There are three meanings in the prayer. Write this down. This is heavy. He says the first deep meaning that must be present in prayer is attention or presence of heart. In Arabic, we say hudur al-qalbi. The heart is present. It's there. Al-qalb al-qalib. Heart and soul. Everything is present there. You are there 100%. Number two, understanding of the words. Understanding of the words. Brothers and sisters, like we need to learn what we're saying. We need to learn what we're saying. We need to understand what, what's being said so that our, our minds can focus on that deeper meaning and we're not just walking through Kroger in the second rakat. You know what I'm saying? We're not walking through somewhere else. We're not, we're actually there in, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with the words that we're saying. So the meaning of the words is, is the next thing that's important. That someone's phone is ringing. Uh Thank you. Um, and then the next thing, the next thing, and this is heavy. This is heavy. There's a hadith that I came across. 
there's a hadith that I came across. I just want to find the words of the narration. The, there's a hadith. It's an author. I'm sorry. It's not a hadith of the Prophet. It's a narration. It's an author from the Sahaba. That when a person is in the prayer and they're standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whenever their heart turns away, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls out to the person, to where are you turning? To where are you turning? And what this means for us is like, what's greater than Allah at this moment? What's the thing? And Allah is like asking the person, what's so important that it's pulling you away from me? And the hadith says that each time you come back, Allah is back. But when your heart goes away, Allah says, but where, where, where are you going? Where are you going? To what are you turning your attention to? And when I read this narration, it really hit me because we got to ask ourselves, what are the things pulling us away? So Imam Ghazali says the third meaning that's important in the prayer is the greatness of Allah over everything else. The greatness of Allah over everything else. So he says, Whom stand before God with all that you have, everything about you. The narration I found, it said, Ila khayrin minni. Ila khayrin minni. Are you turning to something better than me? Are you turning to something better than me? Another narration of the Prophet Aisha says, she asked the Prophet about iltifat in salat, when our, our tension is taken away from salat. And the Prophet said, ikhtilas shaytan. This is a moment where shaytan steals something from your life. Now, this is heavy to me because what it teaches me, and I think all of us can resonate with this, the moment you are distracted, the moment you're not able to focus on what you need to focus on, the Prophet says this is a moment shaitan has stolen from your life. A moment shaitan has what? Stolen from your life. I want to go deep here. I've been doing a lot of reading on attention and distraction because I think it's one of the biggest problems that we have in our day and age. Attention and distraction. Now, I want you to bear with me here. The Prophet in this hadith, he says, that these moments when you're distracted are when shaitan steals from your life. Just takes that moment away. You're not there present mentally. He's taking that, that moment away. Now, when we look at prayer, when we look at like concentration and, and distraction, I want you to look at distractions on three levels. Very heavy here. So from a psychological perspective, you have spotlight attention. What is spotlight attention? Like the ability to focus on what you're doing right now. The ability to stay focused on what you're doing. So like if I'm at home and I'm typing a paper, if I'm talking to my wife, she's talking to me. I was talking to one of my students and he was like, yo, Shake, something's been happening lately. I was like, what? He was like, yo, somebody will be talking to me. And like after like three minutes of the conversation, I realized like I ain't paying attention. And then I got to like jump back into it. So spotlight attention is the ability, now write this down, spotlight attention is the ability to do what you want to do. Because distractions are what stop you from doing what you want to do, right? So I want to do this, subhanAllah, after Fajr, you're like, yo, I'm about to bust out some Quran right now. You start reading, you just grab the phone real quick. You're like, let me just real quick look. And before you know it, 30 minutes, you're like, oh, dang, I got to get ready for work. No Quran that day. Spotlight attention, pay close attention. I'm going to talk about three levels of distractions. So the first level of a distraction is the distraction that stops you from doing what you want to do. Now, what we've noticed in society, and, 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 and tell me if you understand this feeling of being lost a bit, not knowing what to do with time and not knowing where to spend it. This brings me to 
the next level of distraction. Are y'all with me on this? We're going to call this, and this is a term we're making up, starlight attention and starlight distractions. Mikael, what are you talking about? Okay. Well, if spotlight is the ability to do what you want to do, starlight, the values, the goals, the things that you want to, when you look up at the stars, the stars guided you. The stars guided. So as long as you could see the North Star, a slave knew which way to go. So whenever you can see the stars, you know which direction to go. But whenever it's cloudy, whenever there's a distraction, you don't know which way to go. So now this is crazy. Starlight distractions are those distractions that stop you from being who you want to be. Mikael, I'm not quite getting it. Bear with me. You'll see in a minute. Stop you from being where you want to be. Meaning we look to the stars for guidance, but I'm distracted right now. So I, I don't know which way to go. Today I woke up really distracted. What am I doing this week? What am I doing today? And it brings me now to the third type of distraction. And I'm going to connect them all back. The third type is called daylight attention or daylight distractions. And what is this about? It's about your ability to want what you want to want. Think about what I'm saying. To want what you want to want. Not what other people want you to want. Your ability, so do what you want to do. That's the spotlight distraction. Be who you want to be. That's the starlight. And then daylight to want what you want to, to want, right? Now check this. Listen to this. Spotlight we normally think is a, not a big deal, right? I want to do something. I pick up my phone. I get distracted. But we have to understand we live in a weird time. We live in a time which is called the attention economy industry time. Everything is based, and you know the theme of this halakha. There's a word I've said a dozen times. Mental real estate. Attention economy is how can we get, keep, and take your attention. That's all it's about. How can I get your attention? How can I get your attention? How can I get your attention? But that's not enough because if it was just attention, my spotlight attention would be messed up. Every time I try to do a paper, I pick up my phone. But there's a deeper angst that we all feel because now I don't even know what I want to want anymore. And that's because not only do these things take our attention, but there's influencers on there. There's influencers on there. So now when I open an app, I'm not just, you know, back in the day, Game Boy, Tetris, y'all remember Tetris? <laughs> I thought that was my age, yo. They still got that joint. Yo, those distractions, they didn't influence you. They just wasted your time. I need you to understand this is heavy. This has bit me, hit me hard. Those distractions just used to distract you. Like you would just play Mario all day. Big deal. Yes, you wasted time of your life. That's big, big problem. And yes, spotlight distraction is gone. Picked up the game, boy, you didn't finish your homework. But now we have a different thing because once your attention is, is grabbed, it's not passive no more. We're actively influencing your attention to pull you in a certain direction. And this is where we are feeling such a deep angst. What do I want? I don't even know what I want anymore, but I know what that influencer told me I should want. And for some reason, I kind of want to buy the garment right now. <laughs> I got rid of it, by the way. right? For some reason, I want to do this right now. For some reason, I feel like, I don't know why, man. I don't know what I want to do today. You feel me? Khalid, you see what I'm saying? Like the moment I start scrolling, I'm like, and here's the crazy part. I'm going to go even heavier on it. 
all of us have so many different identities that we slightly identify with, right? I'm going to use myself just for the example, right? So like I'm a father. So I like pages that have to do with father stuff. I like neurology. So I follow that. I like psychology. So I, I follow those pages. Y'all already know I ain't going to say it. I like other sports. So I follow those pages, right? Okay. Right. I like writing. So there's pages. So now here's the deal. Now I open an app and I'm not seeing random information. I'm seeing information that is crafted just to the different identities within myself. So today I woke up and you know what I said? I'm going to write an amazing part of my book I'm writing. But I started scrolling and now I'm running at five, five miles. No, you feel what I'm saying? Like, like again, and then what's happening, what's happening is it's, it's like the influences from all of those influencers who we like and, and listen to is now affecting my ability to want who I want what I want to want. And that's a lot of the angst that many of us are feeling. And then what happens is when you're disconnected from your wants long enough, all of a sudden you realize, who am I? Dang, who am I? And there's this deep kind of like, who and what am I? So I think this is a really big problem. SubhanAllah, like an average American, 150 time pickups a day. Now, I, I want to add something else. What was the day? What was the... um? What was the daylight one? What was the daylight? Dang, Okay, check this. We have a concept of reflection. I mean, we've talked about reflection dozens of times in this, in this class. What is reflection's role in the Islamic paradigm? The reflection is to see, am I going the direction that I want to go? Like, if we made it simple, like reflect on today. Did it go where you wanted it to go? You with me, right? Stick with me. It's a beautiful point. Reflection serves the purpose of checking, are my values what I want them to be? Am I living up to those values? So we reflect at the end of the day. According to this definition we've given, the daylight distractions are the distractions that stop you from your ability to reflect on who you are and what you want. Now check this out. When you think of the word leisure, are we going too deep today? Are we, we good? Wifey, Sada, are we good? Okay, because she'll just tell me in the car, right? So you might as well tell me right now. Okay, so so reflection, um, subhanAllah, leisure. That's my man. When I say leisure, what do you think of? Real quick, not the kids. Relaxing, right? What else? Many times we think leisure entertainment, right? Before, what, 30 years ago? Whenever you were bored, I said this to my class, whenever you were bored, you, what did you do? When you were in line at the grocery store bored, what did you do? You, nothing. You stayed there in line. But for the last 20 years, we've been able to get rid of all leisure in between time. That means, here's the thing, and I read this from a, a scholar, it was so deep. He said, the ability to reflect in the small moments throughout the day has been taken away completely. So now I'm picking up my phone every moment that I would normally be bored. Do you know for child development how important boredom is? Like when they're not doing anything. Sorry, kids, right? Like it's such an important part of their development. Just like be bored. Be with your thoughts. Be with your thoughts. That's great. That's a moment of reflection. So, so now you can see how distractions are directly influencing our ability to want what we want to want. Because I don't have time to reflect no more. And everyone in this room knows the truth. When you wake up and before you go to sleep, that's even reflection time taken away from you. 
because you pick up your phone right away. So the reflection is to assess, am I living how I want to live, how I want to live? And that has been taken away by the distractions in our life. And so we are so unfocused. Why, Mikael, are you bringing this up? Because the chapter we're reading right now, the conversation is about attention and focus in prayer. And all of us in this room are like, I can't concentrate in prayer. And I'm like, guess what? You're part of a global pandemic of attention. No one can pay attention. And it's very difficult for people these days to pay attention. And so my thing is, is this. You pay attention with the lives that you could have lived. You pay attention, the cost. You pay attention with the life that you could have lived. What I mean is that you got to realize your attention is valuable. When information is a lot, attention is scarce. There's a lot you can focus on, but you need to be very selective. And we need to get back control over our own thoughts, our own actions, and not just be slaves to the devices. I don't know if y'all remember in eighth grade when y'all had to read Rave New World. I know I didn't read it either. I know. I just, we didn't even have online. So I just went to the smart kid in the class like, yo. <laughs> Brave New World, y'all remember? It's uh, Alex, what's his name? Alders Huxley. There it is, I always mess up. Right? Well, he talks about how what happens is the type of oppression that would come. You know, 1983, the novel 1983, it talks about oppression from an authoritative perspective that people would lose rights because a very authoritative government. But the Brave New World said, nah. And this was in the 1940s. He said, people aren't going to lose right because of authority. People will lose right because of their addiction to distraction and pleasure. They will give up their freedoms. They will forfeit their freedoms to distractions and frivolous things. And so my, my point here, again, if we want to build our ability, now we can actually see the beauty of the prayer. Let's come back to the prayer. What is the prayer? The prayer is five times a day, God telling you, forcing you to drop everything out of your hands and ideally everything out of your mind and disconnect completely from this matrix. Just disconnect from it. It's not real. Get out of it. Let it go. Why? Because maybe you're going through a really difficult time and you need to realize this ain't, this ain't all it's about. Or maybe you're going through amazing time and you need to not get deluded that it's always going to be amazing. So God's like, you need to unplug for a minute. You need to unplug. But the reason we can't unplug is we're so distracted. And it goes back to that device. So part of the attention, I'm going to make it more practical so it's not all theoretical. But part of the focus comes 10 minutes before the prayer. That's Salah, right? Like now psychologists are telling us, before, what not to do before you go to sleep 20, 30 minutes. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. Why? Because it just, it's not good. All of that. You need to, the white light to the light, right? The light, right? The light. It's more than the light. You need to let the brain have leisure by itself. No influence, no echoes from society. Sound echoes. And it takes time for sound to dissipate. So if you want to sleep with a clean heart, you need to let the echoes dissipate. If you want to stand in prayer, why did the prophet say don't run to prayer? Because when you run to prayer, the first whole rakat is like, <sighs> did I get my keys out the car? <sighs> for real. But when you came and you, you, you heard the adhan, 
Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Like, dang, okay. You did wudu. You sat down. You're collected. You're calm. You're there. You're present. Now you've stretched before the exercise. You didn't just jump straight into the exercise. You stretched. You did a slow wudu. No, serious. It's beautiful. And you maybe you even you even warmed up. You did Turaka Sunnah. Sorry. But it's such a beautiful correlation. You get what I'm saying? So the idea of building focus starts before the prayer. But in general, I think if we want to build focus, first of all, realize the blessing of prayer. Realize the blessing of prayer where Allah forces us to disconnect and say, I want to teach you mindfulness five times a day. I want you to learn mindfulness five times a day. That's how much I love you. I want you present in every moment in life. Khalid, you feel what I'm saying? Because otherwise, guess what? Without these five timeouts, five years pass and you're like, man, what did I do? I wasn't present for the last three years, man. This is a force from God. Stop. Be present in the moment. Realize what this world truly is. Connect to me by disconnecting from everything else. But it will only happen when you're able to build focus. Now, one of my teachers said something beautiful. He said that everything, almost everything in the prayer is to teach you how to carry it outside the prayer. What does that mean? He said in the prayer, you control your gaze, right? It's to teach you how to control your gaze outside too. He said in the prayer, you focus. Be mindful with the one you're conversing with, realizing how great and beautiful they are, right? Khaled, do I need to tell you how that can translate into your world? You felt it. You understood. The focus and the presence that you can develop in the prayer. If you took a, if you developed that and then translated that to your interactions with other human beings. <laughs> exactly. Right? And then the stillness, the calmness in the prayer. Like, I, I don't think you guys understand. Coming from Christianity, it was... There was verbal, yeah, there was a song and music here and there. But to, to have this thing where I like, I can't move. I have to stay right here. I can't go pick up my phone. I have to stand right here. It's such a training and a blessing. And, and I really want us to understand that. Now, there's another problem. How do we approach prayer from a mindset perspective? Mindset perspective. There's a hadith. SubhanAllah is heavy. There's a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ was traveling with a group of Sahaba. Group of Sahaba. And it was getting late at night. And the Prophet ﷺ, he called out. He said, he said, Ya Bilal. Oh Bilal. I mean, he's the one always with the Prophet ﷺ. Arihna bis-salah. Arihna. Arihna. The word raha in Arabic means... Uh, Give me a good translation. Comfort. Raha is when you chill, relax. Right? You know, take it easy. Take it easy, relax. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, now there's a there's a there's a tabi'i. I was just studying this before class. I forget the name. And uh, I wouldn't say the name anyway because my one of my uh, colleagues is in the room right now. So I'm just chill. So there's a scholar. He's in the gathering. Listen to this. He's in the gathering and he says to a, a student girl that's in the gathering, he says, go get the wudu so that we can pray. Go get the wudu so that we can pray 
so that we can nastarih. What does that mean? So that we can relax. Now, what do you get? What's the impression you get when you hear that hadith at first? Are you, you too deep already? I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet, sister. You think like, oh, yes. Yes, hurry up and pray so we can relax a bit. You know what I'm saying? And be real. I ain't going to look around. Y'all know, know what's up. You know, yo, let's pray so we can chill. Let's pray so we can relax. So the other scholars in the gathering, they were like, oh, like, oh my God, what did he just say? And he said, hold up, hold up, hold up. What did the prophet Sallallahu say? He said, yeah, Bilal. Yeah, Bilal. Arihna bis-salat. Now, this is where Arabic comes in. He didn't say, arihna mina salat Give us peace from the prayer. He said, give us peace through the prayer. And I want to share with you words of Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi. I wrote them verbatim because I, I loved what he said. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he said this about peace through the prayer. He says, prayer takes away the sins of the one who performs it, fulfilling all of its rights and has focus and the one who stands before God with heart and soul. If you're there present before God and you did it the right way and you're there, it's as if you, you see the sirat in front of you, you're there with Allah. It says it, expi it ex ex expiates your sins. He says, when a person completes the prayer, after having this type of experience, they feel a lightness. I got some stuff off my shoulders. When I read that, I thought about a hard day. And we, we don't use the prayer the way it's supposed to be used. The hard day, like you had a hard morning, guess what? Vohor, like Vohor is right there. Allah's like, I got you, don't worry. And guess what? Whatever burden you get between Vohor and Asr, I got you again. But how does it alleviate? Be more specific, Mikael. How does prayer alleviate? You know, there's this saying, I'll be trying to keep up with y'all. It's above me. I said it, right? I love how they use it, though. It's above me is when you kind of just let go. Right? Am I using it right, Khalid? You just, yo, it's above me now. Yo, it's pretty legit. I like it. But you, I, I'm thinking to myself, so many things after the prayer, I'm kind of just like, it's above me, man. No, for real? No, y'all ain't feeling me, man. Hamza, when you let it go, it's above me. You ever heard the phrase? Okay, that's why. That's why. Okay, no, that makes sense. Okay. Yes, and you know what I'm talking about? Okay, it's some woke hipster stuff. I don't know, whatever. Whatever. Maybe I'm listening to the wrong crew. Okay, my bad. But it's basically trying to say that it's, it's out of my hands. It's out of my hands. So when Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says, when you go to the prayer, realizing this is a, a, a place to let go from all of the, the troubles from the day, the problems and the worries, and you walk in that prayer, and, and, and this don't take this as like a thing, but one of the things I've read is like when you say Allahu Akbar, it's kind of like, no, you get what I'm saying? It's kind of like, it's behind me now. Let go. I'm done. Dunya, I'm done with you, right? Hayat dunya, I'm done with you, right? It's beautiful. So he says, he says, they experience a lightness through the prayer from this perspective because they let go of stuff through the prayer. 
And he says the burdens have been taking off. So now they feel energized. They feel relaxed and they feel happy. He says, this is the raha through the prayer. This is the relaxation that takes in the prayer. When they're in the world, they feel constrained. When they're in the prayer, it's like, it's done, let go. And this is why, and this is Ibn Qayyim, he says, and this is why the Prophet said, Ya Bilal, arihna bisalah. I need to relax in the prayer. Can you call the adhan? I need to relax. And so all of us in this room, please remember this. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow dhuhr, whatever prayer this hits you at, you only get one opportunity to pray that prayer. I know a lot of us like, what you mean? I could pray Fajr the next day. Uh-uh. Fajr for tomorrow only gets prayed once. You feel me? Like, can you re-pray today's Isha? It's done. You only get, you either focused in it, you're either present there or you're not. So realize what is there, it's there for you. Realize the special moment that's there because at the end of life, all we do is we look back at the special moments we shared with people that we weren't present there. When our parents are leaving the world, may Allah give them long life and may Allah guide our parents. But when, when our parents are leaving, all we look back is, dang, man, I was there, but I wasn't there. And wallah, that's the one thing we're going to look back in, at Salat. Man, I was there, but I wasn't there. I was distracted. I was distracted. I was distracted. How long are you going to be distracted for, man? And what is distracting you from Allah? What is this? Allah is saying, I'm here to take care of all that. Just focus on me. Put it above you, as the people say. Put it above you. That's, it's such a beautiful phrase, though, for real. Put it above you. Let it go. So... Uh, this is what Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala, he says attention and focus are the main things that you need in prayer. And I was highlighting to us that the spotlight distractions that we just randomly pick up our phone and open an app, those are not random. Those are not so subtle. They actually start to affect our ability to want what we want to want, and they affect our ability to be who we want to be. Because it's influencing us as well. It's not a passive thing. And those algorithms know you better than you know you. Those algorithms, come on, man. Y'all know it's like we know it now. The algorithms know you better than, than you know you. So you scroll twice, you finally saw that thing. New watch came out. I saw it the moment it came. Scrolled once, bam, hit me right in the face. I'm like, y'all, Shayalteen. Why Shayalteen? Because the hadith says you're stealing moments from my life. You're stealing. And it's, not, it's partially my fault. But it's also, also partially your fault as well. What do I mean? Hold up. There are so many verses in the Quran that we study in, in, in Qalam, right? Where there's an argument happening in hellfire. Where the people that followed others are like, Ya Allah, give them double punishment. And they're like, it ain't our fault. You did it. And they're like, no. You were plotting on us day and night. Wallahi to me, this is the same. This is the industry. The attention economy industry and the users of it. On the day of judgment, where did all my time go? Y'all, like, you see those programmers? I ain't hating on programmers. I love y'all. Y'all good. There's a lot of programmers up in here, okay? <laughs> Some of y'all actually might work for those shayateen too, so. <laughs> I have a friend, I have a friend, man. He, uh, a, a friend of mine, he actually works for one of those companies. And he says, he's like, yo, Shake, I hate the job. I'm trying to get out. I hate it. He's like, in the meetings, we literally are talking about, like, how can we get more people's more attention? Like, if we put this here, maybe they'll click on it. Have you noticed something? I've been, this has been my thing lately. Have you noticed how the apps, you can never master them? They always change something. You, you, is it, you ain't dumb. You know how you think, oh, I know how to use this. 
And then all of a sudden something's changed. Like a setting is here now. Then this is over here now. So every two weeks or so, you got to re-up your information on how to operate that thing. Constant engagement. Keep you constantly. You never master it. You got to keep coming back. It's like the video games with no boss. You remember back in the day, yes, in the video games had bosses and it was done like Sonic the Hedgehog. You could beat the game. You don't beat games no more, yo. You just keep playing. You just keep on going because we just need to keep you locked in as much as your life and time as we can get. Right. So just really, really be more careful about what you give your attention to and realize when you start to feel that confusion of what do I want in life? You need to see who you're following and what you're seeing a lot of. When you can't check your wants, it's your daylight being blocked. Let me share this with you and we'll be done. It's a Greek story. Well, knows best if it's true. There was this well-known philosopher, forgot his name. I'd probably butcher it if I said it, right? He was known to be a, a ascetic, right? Ascetic. He had given up the world completely, right? And he would always drop wisdom here and there. You know, he was at the same time as Plato, Socrates, these guys, right? Same time. I forgot his name. Okay, starts with a D. Um, so there's this king that comes and visits him. And because he's so knowledgeable, he wants to kind of like give him gifts. So this guy is in tattered clothes. He don't care about the world no more, right? Tattered clothes, and he's just laying out in the sun, right? And the king comes over with his whole entourage and everything, and he comes and he stands next to the man. And he says, is there anything I can give you? Is there anything? Just you name it, I'll give it to you. Just think, what would I ask for? He says, yeah, move over. You're in front. You're blocking my sun. You're blocking my light. Get out of my light. A lot of our light is blocked. Our spotlight, our daylight, our starlight is blocked. Just get stuff out of the light, man, so that you can be focused and do what you want to do. You know, last thing, yo, y'all with me? Okay, we talk in this halakha all the time about not doing what your nafs wants to do, right? All the time. Don't listen to your nafs. Don't do what you want to do. Do what God wants you to do, right? But there's another end of that spectrum where now... We're not doing what we want to do. We're doing what apps want us to do. We're not wanting what we want to want. We're wanting what influence want us to want. We're not being who we want to be. So now we actually have to say, you know what? You need to gain agency back in your life. You know, we always talk about fight the nuffs. Now you need to strengthen the nuffs. Put the app down. Do what you want to do. We always break the nuffs, fight the nuffs. Don't do what you want to do. Now, now you're not doing what you want to do. You're doing what the app is telling you to do. You're doing what the next feed thing is, is right? So just may Allah give us the ability. Remember that verse I was sharing where the people of Hellfire are blaming one another. No, it's your fault that we got here. And they're like, nope, who told you to follow us? They literally said, who told you to follow us? And we literally have followers and we're following people. It's such a scary time. Like, wow. So my only advice is just be very, very careful just if you're going to be on there, just fill it with good stuff that at least if I'm not doing what I want to do, it's like positive stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Sheikh Abdullah posting Yaqeen, Sheikh Omar Soyman. So I don't know. Mufti Mink, somebody, I, whoever. At least if I'm getting influence, I'm getting influence. I'm praying extra prayers. I wanted to read Quran. Now I'm praying. You know what I'm saying? At least it's in positive things, inshallah. May Allah give us tawfiq, inshallah ta'ala. Um, if you feel that you're struggling with focus and attention, um, realize that the prayer 
We don't do it with this reason, but the prayer is the first place to build that presence of mind. If you want to be present, you just have to focus on what you're saying and realizing the moment that you're doing. Don't just do the movements because you'll be like me massaging my mother's feet, not wanting to be there. And my mom says, I'm good. You can go. You ain't even doing it right. Unfortunately, God won't say that to us, inshallah. But that's the reality of that action. You're just doing the actions without the reality behind it. May Allah give us tawfiq, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah make us people who can focus again. Focus is a superpower, they say now, y'all. Focus is a superpower. May Allah give us the ability to be a people who can focus and concentrate and realize the detrimental and the detriment and harms of being in a constant state of distractedness. And may we be able to say to people, get out of my sunlight. Get out of my light. That's all I want from you is get out of my way. May Allah give us tawfiq. All right, I'll see you inshallah.